So welcome to Kingdom Testimonies. It is Monday, November 8th, I believe. Yes. And um, I'm starting my own testimony on this channel. Uh, I didn't really know where to begin. I've been kind of thinking about it all day. Right now it's 3.20 in the afternoon. Didn't really know where to begin how to do this, how I should do this. So I, I guess it's kind of strange, but um, about two months ago, the Lord said, write your memoir. Well, I got to take that back. <clears throat> I think it was probably about six or seven months ago. Earlier in the year, much earlier, he said, write your memoir. And I kept putting it off and putting it off. It's just like, oh, it's, I just don't feel like it, so it's not going to flow. Um, you know, I write, the, I write the blog, Professing Christians, on WordPress. And I have written two other books that are on Amazon. One is a poetic, uh, spiritual, prophetic type of book, and I just did that for myself. I've never advertised it. I think it's under my old married name, even. Um, and then I also did another book based on five dreams that I've had. So this memoir encompasses those five dreams along the way. Um, and I have to tell you, I have not, it's a rough, rough draft, and I have not uh, edited any of it at all. I haven't polished it. There's probably a bunch of errors, grammatic, grammatical errors. I just started writing. Eventually, a couple of months ago, um, you know, I would have to say it was in August, so three months ago, <clears throat> I finally gave in and I was like, okay, Lord, you're just going to have to, you're going to have to help me. And because I don't, I, I'm not going to be able to, I'm not going to be able to just do this without the Holy Spirit's help. I don't know where to begin or what to write. So what I did, and I'm sorry if you hear some, some clicking. I'll try to use the up and down arrow keys. Is I opened a Word document and I just started writing. Um, I was going to if it ever turned into a book, I was going to title it Lindenwood. And the reason for that is not because of the tree, because I don't think I've ever seen a Lindenwood tree. But I'm from Minnesota, but I lived a lot of time in Fargo, North Dakota. You may hear that in the accent. I don't know. And in Fargo... There, yes, it's the one from the movie. There is a park called Lindenwood Park. And I spent a lot of time there. A lot, a lot of time there. When I was a teenager, I went there. And I was a super shy, um, just super shy teenager. So I basically f just followed my sisters around 
over there while they talk to guys and friends and whatever because I I was just introvert is not even the word it was it was social anxiety isn't even the word I was just oh it was awful <clears throat> well since then the Lord has taken me out of that and now I'm you know normal functioning whatever normal is um so I'm just going to start reading it. I don't know how else to go about this. And um, so here it is. Testimony, a memoir. Lindenwood. The Bible verse I have at the top is Habakkuk 2.3. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. And then I added what the Lord told me. At the end of the vision, the promise will come. Okay, before I start, I also have to add, I have not finished the memoir. Um, <clears throat> where I ended off, I just couldn't go on and that was in 2011 or 12 and by the time I finish reading this the Lord's been showing me some things by the time I finish reading this I think it will be obvious to you as well as to me why I ended it there I, I couldn't go on. I worked on this so hard and I couldn't get past 2012. I was just um, emotionally drained by the time I got to that point. I spent a lot of time on 2008. And I know I, I, know I said 2018 was quite a doozy of a year but going through 2012 to 2017 will be rather quick and a little mundane and I'm just, I just yeah okay so let's go this first draft is everything I could remember final book version will not have all this in there and will be edited the Lord said to write everything and then I'll know what to include in the memoir this is how I remember it this is for healing purposes, and this is exactly how it all happened. One think led to another and to another. God's weaving of a beautiful and painful tapestry. Uh, and then I put things I need to add. The bony spider on my bed, which was massive. Mom putting Andy's bra on the planter that she made. Uh, boyfriends, I don't have much in there about boyfriends. Mom's uh, blue jeans on songs repeat. My mom would repeat. She'd find a song she liked, and then on the console in the living room, she'd hit repeat. And I don't know how she did it with uh, 45s, but these certain songs, maybe it was, oh yeah, it was 45s. It was not on the long plays. But anyway. So Conway Twitty's baby's got her blue jeans on. Finally, I was like, Mom, shut it off. I don't want to hear that song anymore. And then she'd laugh and it would play again. 
Um, and me and my mom working out to Jack LaLanne on Prairie Public Television. Prairie Public Broadcasting Service, I think is what PBS stands for. I'm 58. And when I was a little kid, my mom did um, exercises, kind of like we would today if you'd buy like the P90X or if you'd buy, uh, or you'd go on YouTube or go on whatever channels, you know, and you would work out. Well, I don't know if, how many of you remember Jack LaLanne. You could Google him. He, I'm sure he's dead by now because he was old then. But the guy was in tip-top shape. Even as an old man, he was in tip-top shape. And her and I, went, I was the youngest out of nine kids. So everybody else was in school, and I was at home with my mom. I was, of course, spoiled rotten because I was the very last kid. And so I was at home with my mom, and her and I would work out together to Jack LaLanne on the black and white television set in the living room. Yeah, there you go. Um, something straight out of the 60s. Okay, so let's begin. This is the time of day that I would wake up in 2003 and stare out the window thinking, morning is coming soon. That time is 4.30 a.m. when the birds were just waking up as well. I was getting up during the week to start on my route as a FedEx driver at the time. That's when we would go in to do the pre-sort and load our trucks for the day. I'd slip into the garden tub in our master bedroom while the water was just starting, washing my hair under the faucet to make the most out of all the time I had before bolting out the door. When I had prayed for a way to take time off, and this is painful to write, but I'll keep going because I have to, the Lord answered my prayer in a dramatic way. He'd have me hit and run some guy down in the city I was living in, I'm going to leave cities out, and there'd be a warrant out for my arrest, so I'd have to park my truck, of which my husband was a contracted owner, and I had to take time off. Only God can dream up this sort of circumstance. My mom was going through chemotherapy for cancer in three different spots in her body, lungs, kidney, and a giant tumor in her leg like an alien movie, and I wasn't able to take time off to go see her due to the FedEx contract. I begged my husband to let us hire someone to take my place, but he wasn't having it. We had too many bills. We had just gotten started with a contract in the recent years. Anyway, God said, no, Lisa, you will get to go see your mom. And I wasn't arrested after all. The guy, the guy that I hit <coughs> was a shyster who had a long rap sheet, and the cops believed my story that he stepped in front of my mirror as I was inching past him, standing by his truck in the middle of the road. I guess people do this to delivery trucks a lot, trying to get insurance money. And I'll just add, that is exactly what he did. I was pulling up slowly, and I was looking at him, and I'm like, are you going to cross the street? What are you doing? He was standing by his truck. And he just he just stood there and, you know, like, and didn't do anything. You know, and I, and I was, so was kind of inching past, and I'm like, why is this guy standing so close to the where I'm gonna drive there was something parked on the left side and his truck was on the right side so I was going in between and it wasn't like a really skinny spot I was just going in between you know and he just kind of motioned with his head you know go and so as I did he stepped in front of my right mirror and my mirror brushed his shoulder he moved out of the way as it brushed his shoulder because he like 
didn't want to get hurt. And so I stopped and I, I just looked at him like motioned, what are you doing? And he just waved at me, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And so I left. Okay. Um, I think we get into more about that later. So in 2003, I'd wake up at 4.30, not because I heard the birds, but because I'd feel the pull of the Lord in a soft and gentle whisper, get out of bed, you sleepyhead. I guess he just wanted me to spend time with him. It annoyed my husband on the weekends. During the week, he'd gone to work already, but on the weekend, I'd slip off to my office in the back part of our little house, which had a big window and an outside door with a full glass pane, and I'd look at what was left of the stars until dawn began to break. So, like I said, this is a non-edited version. I was uh, let go from my position so my husband was now still going to work on our business <clears throat> but because of our FedEx contract I couldn't drive because they were trying to sort out this hit and run thing okay I'd listen to the birds sing their little songs and look out at the oleanders dark and shaded until slowly the sky would lighten and they'd showed some green and red on the flowers it was magical the start of another day that was the only time I'd have to quiet the anxiety of that new day. Those forever new days that were so full of beauty and dread. And here I am, almost 20 years later, trying to put it all down. What a life. I'll try my best to capture it for what it was and not for what it did to me. For it being a training ground meant to toughen me up instead of wrecking my resolve. To prepare me for the future we'll all be going through instead of me just wanting to give up altogether. I've always been tough, but this was just too much. As a kid, I watched my brothers and sisters, eight of them all older than me, do their life in awkward and sometimes reckless ways. And as a spectator in this life drama, I'd think about how I didn't want to live my life like they did, always pissing mom and dad off and getting in trouble. So I tried to stay out of trouble. Why not give mom and dad a break? Shoot, they had nine kids. Even as a child, I knew that was a lot for them to handle, and we all lived in a little house in Minnesota. We grew up Catholic, of course, and Mom was really strict about it, the religion, I mean. It was a way of life. She loved God, said lengthy prayers every night, wrote in her five-year diary about it, so we knew she did. But the religion of Catholic was handed down from her mom's side as a culture that was pretty severe. This was in the 1960s and 70s, so things in the world were a-changing pretty rapidly, so I could also see the old being pushed aside for the new rebellion way of living that just didn't have room for adherence to all that strictness. Poor mom, she didn't see it all coming. Thought she could do life in God like her ancestors. Nope. My siblings were rebellious. They took the times by the horns and peace, love, war, and rebellious teens took over the house. My oldest brother Steve left for the Navy when I was still young. He was 12 years older than me and I was pretty close to him but I don't remember him living in the house too much. Then Tony left for the Navy too. Shortly after that I think something about a stolen car and a judge saying either join the military or jail time it's your choice. Dad had been in the Navy so my brother went as well. Brothers. I could change that to brothers. Then my two sisters' teenage years kicked in. In my family, the birth order went like this. Two boys in the Navy, 
two girls, two more boys, then three girls, the three little girls. With only seven of us left in the house, you'd think it'd be a little more quiet. It wasn't. And my two sisters, well, I'll say their names. Uh, Tina and Leah had lots of friends and boyfriends. My dad worked all the time, sometimes two jobs to make ends meet. My mom did some print work at home with the tippy machine dad brought home from the print shop. Mom was so quick on that machine, I just sit there and watch her run it, making small talk. I was the baby of the family, so of course I spent most of my time with her. This machine had a row of spindles that went up and back with a rhythmic hum that I can still hear, dipping in glue and pressing the glue down on the perforated header of invoices or tear-offs for the customers of the print shop where Dad was the foreman. Then at the end of the day, Mom would dump the leftover glue from the long rubbery tray into a jar and let the residue sit overnight. In the morning, she'd let me peel the glue from the bottom of the tray in one long strip. It was the highlight of my day. So when my older sisters started disrupting the household and making Mom so crazy mad that she had to start seeing a psychiatrist, I was upset at them. There were fun times, but mostly all Mom did was yell and cry. Once she got so mad, she chased one of my sisters, and my sister ran outside in the front yard and around the pretty big bush in the front yard, the one that always got those pretty little pink flowers on it every spring. But Mom was going to beat her ass. Our neighbors just stared out their windows as usual, thinking, wow, those, my last name, kids are awful. One night they made Mom so mad, she packed their Samsonite suitcases and set them on the porch and locked the door. I don't know where they slept, but they were back the next day. Another time we were all woke up in the middle of the night with a clanging of, a metal, of the metal fire alarms going off and smoke filling the house with firemen standing in the living room. Mom was frantic. The basement was full of smoke. They had gotten Blaine and Kevin upstairs and the three little girls were already upstairs since we shared a room next to mom and dad, but they couldn't find Tina and Leah in the smoke that was billowing from their room in the basement. Um, let me pause. Okay. It turns out they had snuck out to a party, but someone had left a cigarette in an ashtray on the arm of the recliner in their room, my sister's room, and it started the recliner on fire. When the smoke couldn't find anyone else in the basement, we were all left standing in the haze with all the doors and open, windows open at 3 a.m., with the neighbors thinking, now what's going on at the blank house? Uh, Tina and Leah had snuck out. Boy, they had they got into trouble. <sighs> Almost burning the house down and they were at a party. I'd helped Dad in his workshop in the basement. There was always sawdust all over the floor from his projects. He worked full-time as a pressman, but he also got side jobs as a master carpenter. He built furniture for conference centers out of walnut or whatever wood they wanted. I'd watch him, usually in silence because the tools were so loud, and I'd stack the blocks up to make little houses or buildings. Later, when I was old enough to handle a broom, he'd give me penny candy money to sweep his shop. Before he moved his shop out to the garage, I remember making $5 for cleaning his whole shop. That summer, we went to Black Hills in South Dakota for our family vacation. 
Every summer, Dad took two weeks off, and we'd go in the station wagon. We had a few of those over the years, to a destination usually picked by Mom, as a family, as if Mom didn't have enough nerve problems. When we got to the Sturgis area, we stayed in a campground with a nine-person canvas tent, and all was going well. Then Tina and Leah started hanging out with the bikers because, unbeknownst to Mom and Dad, they picked the wrong week of the year to go to Sturgis. Tina and Leah hit it off with a couple of Hell's Angels, I kid you not, and then the vacation turned hellish. By the end of that week, Mom had packed up all their stuff and left them there. They did what they wanted and refused to comply anyway. Leah was 17 and Tina was just about 18, being 11 months apart with months apart with July birthdays, and off we went without them. Things were peaceful for the first time in a very long time. I loved my sisters, but I couldn't stand to see the way it was tearing our family apart. They showed up back at the house when we got back home and promised Mom and Dad that they would be good. Teen got an apartment and talked them into letting Leah live with her, and Leah promised to finish her senior year, and she did. Then she moved away to the Minia- Then they moved away to the Minneapolis area. Things were quiet. With only Blaine and Kevin at home, Mom was able to quit doing so much work for the print shop, and Dad was able to just go to work and then do his work woodworking business stuff on the side as a hobby. Blaine and Kevin liked to party too, but they had mellow, fun friends. Blaine got in a little trouble here and there, nothing major, and Kevin had more of a tendency to hang out with his guy friends and not date at all. By this time, us three youngest girls were entering our teen years and coming into our own time. Now it's only Blaine and Kevin in the basement with us younger sis- youngest upstairs. When we were little, Blaine used to think it was funny to lock us down there and shut off the light at the top of the stairs. Not funny. He'd say, there's something behind you, and race up the stairs and shut off the light. Me, Andy, Vanny, and Kevin would be climbing over each other in the dark, not wanting to be the last one in line up the stairs. Now that they were older, sometimes in the middle of the night, we'd hear Kevin walking in his sleep, moaning, as it came through the heat registers upstairs. Mom thought it was funny how scared me and my sisters got. Um, And then I have a note in here I wanted to add about Blaine. He had a room, his bedroom was at the, he was a, he was an artist. When he was a teenager, he was painting things that were like, wow, that you painted that? Um, and he also liked to do like little inventions and things. So because he would smoke pot in his bedroom, um, he wanted to know when dad was coming downstairs because dad's shop was, workshop was still in the basement. So he rigged up a doorbell from a transistor radio. I don't know how he did it. Um, Unless it was just a doorbell. I really don't know. But he rigged something up. So when my dad stepped on the sixth or seventh step from the top, must have been more like the fifth or sixth. It was it was kind of a long staircase going down to the basement. A buzzer would go off in his room. And he would then he'd know that dad was coming downstairs. Well, one day my dad figured it out and skipped the step and then busted Blaine smoking in his room. Okay. Blaine and Kevin were still in the basement, and then Andy and Vanny moved down there, as well as Tina and Leah's rooms. 
leaving me to my own room upstairs. Eventually, Blaine finished high school and moved to Minneapolis as well, where Tony was living now that he was out of the Navy. Then Kevin moved to Minneapolis with his friends, and the house atmosphere changed once again. Our teenage years at home were fun. Mom quit having nervous breakdowns and was able to relax. She started taking ceramics classes for fun with Andy. Vanny was boy crazy and was dating a lot. I don't remember what I was doing. Oh yeah, just hanging out with friends. When Mom and Andy finished ceramics classes, that was about the time Andy moved out with her boyfriend Bob into an apartment in Fargo. Vanny didn't want to be in the basement alone, so she moved her bedroom into Mom's sewing room upstairs. Mom decided to start teaching ceramics classes, so she had Dad remodel the whole basement, tearing out walls, and make an office with a side room for two kilns to fire the ceramics pieces. The washroom with the drain would stay off the side from under the stairs, and the three bedrooms would become one big ceramics classroom. The house was a ranch-style rectangle, so it was easy to, to remodel this way. There was even one area at the end on the other side of the wall from the kilns for shelving of greenware pieces. It was a full-fledged ceramics business, and Mom was making good money and spending lots of it, too. Andy would come over and help Mom with the classes. She had them two nights a week, and the basement was full both nights. My friend Mickey and her mom even signed up. Twice a week, cars lined the streets in our neighborhood, but by then the neighborhood neighbors of years ago were mostly gone, either moved away or deceased. But I'm sure the ones who remained were wondering what was going on at the blank house. <clears throat> Um, I did spend some time in mom's office in the basement with her, this time not just watching her work, but I had some pieces I was working on as well. I didn't particularly enjoy doing ceramics, but I loved spending time with her. She was funny. She had a great sense of humor and was very intelligent, with a quick wit. Dad was funny too, but he was mostly quiet and let mom do all the parenting. He only stepped in when he had to. He mostly just worked and sipped on a beer every night, sitting out in the backyard on the porch swing he made, looking off into the distance, thinking about God knows what. Now and then I'd try to strike up a conversation, but it usually went nowhere with me wondering, who is this guy? And him probably wondering, why does Lisa ask so many questions? So I'd sit with mom in her basement office while she tallied up checks or cleaned greenware or fired up the kilns or painted on eyes for students who were afraid to. Or else I'd pretend to read a book while she jabbered away about her students and funny things they said. One thing me and mom always did was read books together. That started when I was about four or five years old. <clears throat> My earliest memory, besides the blowout in the station wagon when all nine of us kids were in the back, going on a family vacation, and we couldn't get a campsite. We laid the seats down, and I was sleeping beside my oldest brother, Steve, behind Dad. Okay, I might be combining a bunch, of, a bunch of memories there. But my earliest memory at home was sitting in front of the couch in the living room and crying because everyone in the family could read besides me. Vanny, who was only a year and a half older, had just been showing me her, showing me her first grade reader and was sounding out words from the little symbols on the page, and I just couldn't take it anymore. I was old enough for kindergarten, yet I noticed that there was something very wrong in this house. Everyone could read but me. So Tina and Leah would sit me, Andy, Vanny, Kevin, and Blaine down and play school. 
We played mass, too, but mostly school because the nuns were mean. Even after playing school, of which I had never been to one, I couldn't read, and they could. Uh, so I sat in front of the couch with Vanny while she pointed to a symbol and said, That's an A. And I'd look at it until it was burned in my memory that that was an A. Then she told me what it sounded like. I knew the alphabet, but it suddenly clicked that these letters I'd been singing about could be deciphered out into what was known as language. It was a whole new world. When I got to first grade, Mom wanted me home longer, so I skipped kindergarten, which I had at home anyway. They had a contest of who could read the most books. Game on. I read 50 books by the end of the year and won the award. The other kids probably thought, you go for it. It's a trick. But I was reading to Mom as she did the laundry and ironed all our clothes. Dad's friend gave him a 1950s set of encyclopedia, and they didn't know what to do with them, and I said, I'll take them. They were on my closet shelf until I moved out. I don't know why I love to read so much. It's just ingrained in me. doesn't make me a better person than anyone else. I just love it, I guess. Mom loved to read, too. So her and I would go to the library on the weekends when she wasn't working on her ceramic stuff, and we'd pick out books. She got hooked on Stephen King, and I was reading biographies or teen fiction. And I'm going to stop there. So let me put a line of, I don't know, symbols of some sort. Um, page five. All right, I'm stopping there. It starts to go into now more of things that that formed the later years in the house that pretty much caused the downfall or the um, slippery slide of our family, so to speak. And I will leave it there. So I hope you enjoy this series. I honestly can't tell you how long it's going to go. I, there's, the Lord has revived. I know now why he was bugging me to write my memoir, because for some reason he wants me to read it on this podcast, but also because he is, he, he was very inactive this year. Like I said, 2018, 2019, and 2020 were really extremely active years in my Christian walk. And this year has pretty much, I thought, was a dud. You know, I, I've been out here a year in this little cabin in the mountains. And I'm like, so you just dropped me off here to die? <laughs> Nothing else is going on in my life anymore? I mean, my life has been pretty uh, hectic, pretty lots of things always happening. And all of a sudden, I just have this year of nothing. 2021 has just been a year of nothing. And I've been joyful, trying to be, and I've been thankful and praising God for what he's given me out here because I have a home and it's, it's cute, it's pretty, to me it's beautiful, it's a blessing. Um, but I just wasn't ready for basically my life to come to a screeching halt. So I've really been searching him this year, wondering what's going on. Um, but of course that's going to have to come later. So I'm looking at the memoir here. It's, it's long. 
I'm sorry to say it's long but um, it does get quite quite interesting quite active and um, and like I said it stopped at 2012 but the five or six years after that can be breezed through in probably one 15 minutes sitting okay so leaving it there and I pray you have a blessed day